are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, a little bit of humor there. Don't get used to five-minute sermons, okay? Not going to happen. 30 minutes, yes, but five minutes, no. And so if we're not careful, we can come into God's house and we can have this consumer mentality. You know, we can just take, take, take. You know, we were at a conference this week and the hospitality, let's just say, is off the charts with this church that hosted us, and there was snacks upon snacks upon snacks, right? Now, I'm not sure if I went to the conference for the message or just all the snacks. I'm not sure yet, but because you all know I love my snacks, right? Come on. How many love snacks? Like you eat, and then 45 minutes later, I need a snack. Where are my snackers at? Come on. Don't be ashamed up in here. Why do you think we always have some kind of food we're giving out or something? That comes from the head. Come on, somebody. And in in this conference, you know, they provided lunch, they provided breakfast, they provided snacks. I mean, it was, I I leaned over to Joe at one point, I said, I believe this is what the marriage supper of the lamb is going to be like. There's just tables upon tables of food. I mean, when they lay out that jar of peanut M&Ms, I thought we were going to have camp meeting up in there. I thought the Holy Ghost was about to hit me and I was going to start dancing. I'm just saying for all you Pentecostals, come on, somebody. And it was like, by the end of day one, you know, you're spending 13, 14 hours at the church, and so they just want you to have everything you need there. I mean, you go into the restroom, and they got everything. Like, they had deodorant, they had wipes, they had cologne, they had toothbrush. I'm like, where are we at? Is this church? I mean, they just rolled out the red carpet for us. And after a few hours of, of, of all this food, I'm just like, you know, and then for lunch, they, they roll out the one and only Fast food place that is saved and filled with the spirit, Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. The Christian chicken. Unlimited Christian chicken, though. I mean, at one point, Joe walked away with four boxes. I'm not sure how many he ate, but that's, that's, that's his story. I don't know. And, and so we were at, at this conference, and I got to the point where I'm just like, man, I'm, you know, I feel a little like maybe on the gluttony side here, like, we're just taking and taking and, and taking and taking, and we were consumers at this conference. Now, this was a few-day conference. We're consumers, and the, the leaders that we brought to this conference, I know, are contributors, but for these two days, we were consuming. We were consuming not only the snacks, praise God, but we were consuming the word and the sessions that applied to us, and, and God was speaking to us as a church, and God was speaking to us as individuals. And if we're not careful, we can treat the church that way. Well, if it doesn't go my way, well, if my kids don't get this, or if I don't get my favorite parking spot, and listen, if someone takes my chair, we about to have some words, right? I have seen ladies take their pocketbooks and beat people up because someone was sitting in their chair. I won't mention where that was, but I'll just say it happened. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so we as a church have got to realize that God has not called us 
to be consumers, spiritual consumers, but he's called us to be spiritual contributors. Why? Because the church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world. We exist for the world. God brought us here. God saved so many of us here. Actually, in the last six months, or since January, rather, 145 people have given their life to Christ. Now listen to this number. In the last 14 months, we have seen 506 people make decisions for Christ. Come on, somebody. And, and we're going to do our best to encourage people to take their next step. Okay, your first step is confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your second step is baptism. We're going to see that in our second experience. We're going we're gonna to always encourage you to take your next step and get on a team. Join the dream team. Because why? Because there is no greater fulfillment in our, in our lives than when we serve somebody else. No greater fulfillment. No greater fulfillment in life when you serve someone else. I love what Jesus says in our text here in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. It says that he sat down and he called the 12 disciples over to him. And he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be what? And be what? The servant of everyone else. Let me give you some context with this story. Jesus had 12 disciples. How many did he have? He had 12 disciples, and these disciples were used by God in a mighty way. We know that throughout the Gospels, we see that not only was Jesus healing people, but the disciples were healing people. Not only did Jesus multiply the fish and the loaves in two different occasions, but the Bible says that the disciples, when they took the baskets, the bread and the fish multiplied within their hands. So they were used by God in a mighty way as they were with Jesus, the Messiah. We see that Peter is told at one point, because of his revelation of who Christ was, that the church would be built upon that revelation. We also see that a few other disciples, Peter, James, and John, they were taken on special trips with Jesus at certain times, and they were in his inner circle. So we see here, the Bible says that he sat down. Someone say he sat down. Why did he sit down and why did he call the 12 over and why did he have this kind of powwow with the 12? Well, we find that in verse 34 that the Bible says the disciples had been arguing with one another over who among them was the greatest. Who among them was the greatest? And so Jesus said, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, time out, time out. Come over here, guys. Come over here, boys. Let's have a little talk. I, I know, you know, you're excited about what just happened. You've seen, you know, thousands of people fed with a little Lunchable, right? And, 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 and you see demons casted out of people. And, and you've seen so many things. But I, I need to tell you what the kingdom is all about. I, I need to enlighten you on what the church's purpose is. If you want to be first, you must take last place and you must be a servant to everyone else. So what we see here amongst the disciples is a little bit of tension, a little bit of relational tension amongst friends, and we see that their ego has gotten in the way of their calling. Oh, can I talk about that for a second? Because we have to be careful that our ego doesn't override our calling. 
because God's going to use some of you in the weeks and months and years to come. And some of you are going to be serving and some of you are going to be in leadership and there's going to get a point that uh, you're going to get to a point where your ego wants to override the calling and the anointing and the gifting upon your life. And there's going to be a point where you're going to sit up on your high horse and want to spiritually profile other people. Oh, we got racially profiling people. That happens. But a lot of people in the church spiritually profile people. Well, you know what? They're just not as gifted as me. And, you know, they just don't have the revelation I have of God's word. And, you know, I know all 67 books. (laughs) That's a joke. There's 66 books. Anyway. Anyway. Well, well, you know what? My worship is just amazing because I hold my hands like this open for God to fill them. What? Well, you know, you know, when I hear the word, you know, I take amazing notes and I, list, I, I read the notes and then I, I go to the podcast nine other times because Pastor Jacob said, you're only getting 10% of the message, so I got to listen to it nine more times, so I'm a little better than everyone else. And, you know, my team has grown and, you know, I've raised up more leaders and, you know, my team is exploding and so, you know, you know pastors should give me a shout out. Shout out, pastor. Come on, shout me out. And we can, we can get to this point where our ego overrides our calling. I want to encourage you with this. Your gift can carry you to a place where your character cannot keep you. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Your gift can carry you to a place where your character cannot keep you. Work on your character first. Work on your character first. And then your ego won't override the anointing upon your life. And so, so here they are, here they are, they're thinking they're it. Come on, you know, if they had Twitter, if they had Instagram, they're like, hashtag squad goals, come on somebody, hashtag we got the power, hashtag crushing it, hashtag church flow, right? That's what the disciples are doing, and they get in this big fight, and Jesus like, hey, y'all ain't all that, y'all ain't all that you've let your ego override the giftings and the callings that, I, that God has placed on your life. I, I have to be honest with you. It's, it's probably one of the biggest temptations that I have. For a living, I sit up here and I preach to people. I communicate to people. And when I come off this stage, there's this, there's this little devil on one shoulder and there's this little angel on the other. And the little devil says, man, that sucked. That was the worst message ever. You help nobody. You can't even say your, say, your stuff right. Your, your words don't even come out right. And your jokes really sucked. <laughs> and I got the little devil whispering in my ear, saying, man, you should have you just stick to painting. <laughs> you should have just go sell cars or something because you, you're not qualified to preach. Look at the failures in your life. Look at your past. And look, look, you don't got it together. You're impatient with your kids. And, you know, I got this little devil right here. And then he tells me, on the other hand, man, you're the greatest. Man, look at all the people that came up to you and said your message helped them. On the other hand, he tells me, man, your church has quadrupled in the last eight months. It's all because of you. I'm just being real talk with you. I'm being real talking. Then I got the angel saying, no, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. God is working through you, but it ain't just about you. And I got the angel telling me, keep preaching the word. I got the angel telling me, don't lose the anointing. 
And don't substitute the anointing. And don't substitute your prayer time to try to get church growth. You see, here's, and I'm going off. I don't don't know what today's going to bring. I just know the Holy Spirit is moving. And, and I see pastors and I see friends and their whole focus is growing a church. You, never, you know this, honest to God, our focus was never to grow this church. It was to grow people. And I just believe that when we grow people and we build people that God said, Jesus declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I see, I see other pastors struggling, and they're like, what's going on with your church? I mean, I had about 10 of them come up to me, friends that I haven't seen in a while, friends that I talk to all the time. What is going on? How are you growing? What are you doing? I just said, we're building people. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I look at my wife all the time. You think they'll ever realize we don't know what we're doing? <laughs> they think we know what we're doing. We're freaking out, peeing our pants. We don't know. We don't know. We're just, we're just going after God's lost kids, and we're just making a place where everyone's welcome, no matter your race, no matter your color, no matter your economic background, no matter your age. We just say everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. And we're preaching faith, and we're preaching grace, and we're preaching hope, and they're coming and giving their life to Jesus. That's all I know we're doing. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. But we're here. And we're doing it for Jesus. And as long as we keep him the main thing, as long as he said, if I be lifted up, you see, when I lift myself up and we lift fuel church up, then we in trouble. But as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing, and we keep lifting up the name of Jesus, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and change the human heart, we going to be all right. Hit your neighbor and say, we going to be all right. No, you got to say it like that. We're going to be all right. I like that. So, so, so Jesus, Jesus is trying to make a point here, and I'm totally off my notes now. But, but I love what he said in the message translation of this. He says, so you want first place? Then take last place and be the servant of all. I believe, I believe, I believe if we're not careful, we can get so caught up making a living that we don't make a life. And, and I believe that can happen with all of us. We get so caught up and, you know, you know we, we, we're working and we're going to school and we have kids and kid, kids have issues. I don't know if you know that. But they have issues and they always have issues. My, I love my little Claire Bear, but she is, I guess, hit puberty or something's going on. Hormones are happening. I don't know what's going on. But she's testing her daddy's patience. And I don't pray for patience anymore. I learned that lesson last time. Because the moment you pray for patience is the moment you get in the drive-thru and you're by the slowest person that has 25 coupons to use. I don't care about your coupons. Give me my biggie size drink and sandwich. And uh, God says, hey, you remember when you pray for patience? (laughs) Trying to teach you that. But, um, but um, I don't need, where are we at, guys? I don't, have somebody help me. Where are we going with this? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus. That's it. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noonday. Come on now. So I, so I asked this question. We're, we're having fun today, right? Okay, okay. My time is running out because you guys keep laughing at my jokes. Stop it. My question to you today is how much do you know about following Jesus selflessly in order to serve others? See, something happens when you take your eyes off of yourself. Someone, something happens when you get out of the mirror. Some of you are in the mirror every day. Your life revolves around you and no one else. No one else. You don't consider anyone else. You don't encourage anyone else. You don't uplift anyone else. And you wonder why you're discouraged. You're always down. And you're always like, well, they didn't encourage me. Well, they didn't hug me. Well, they didn't like my post. Well, they didn't comment on that. Because it's all about you. And until you realize life ain't about you and church ain't about you, it's about others. And until you realize what Jesus said, if you want to be first place, take last place. If you want to be first place, start serving other people. I'm telling you, you'll never get the meaning of life until you realize that only true fulfillment comes when you serve others. You'll never get it. You'll be struggling. You'll, you'll think fulfillment comes in, in your bank account. You'll think it comes in the promotion in your job. You'll think it comes when your kids win some award or something. You'll think it comes in your... Ma- no, true fulfillment comes when you say, I'll lay my life down and serve someone else. I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Jesus exemplified this to the disciples. He just... He, he wasn't talking. He was acting. And we know that at the Last Supper, he began to wash the disciples' feet. He began to humble himself, and it was the, it was the job of a servant. It, it was the job of a Gentile, not a Jew. It was a dirty job. Someone didn't show up to work that day, or someone got put on unemployment. I don't know. But Jesus stepped in and said, yeah, let me show you what the kingdom's about. Let, let, let me show you what the church is about. And he began to wash their feet. Why did he wash their feet? So they would remember and realize that we are here on this earth to serve God and to serve each other. We are here on this earth to serve God and to serve each other. Why did he wash the feet of the individuals that were about to betray him? You ever think of that? Judas was about to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Huh? Judas. Peter was about to deny him three times after he lied to Jesus three times. No, Jesus, I'll I'll never, uh, I'll never deny you. Jesus, I'm a ride or die disciple, right? But yet he betrayed him. Huh? But yet Jesus says, see, when you get what the kingdom's about, you will even serve your enemies. Bless those who despitefully use you and speak all manner of evil against you. Turn the other cheek. No, I want to punch the other cheek, Jesus. I want to punch them. But Jesus says, no, that's not what my kingdom's about. Serve them. Bless them. Pour into their life. Even even when they give you a bad attitude. Come on. Even when they don't want to come to church and serve. And they need a little attitude adjustment, my dad used to call it. Son, you need an attitude adjustment. Well, what's that? Well, let me show you. (laughs) Last time I asked that question. You know, you know we, we believe that if you serve here at Fuel Church, that, that, that you should have a smile on your face. 
that you should have a warm embrace for people. And that whatever it is that you're dealing with in your world, in your life, and whatever chaos and confusion has knocked on your door this week, that you leave it at the front door because we're here to serve God and we're here to serve others. I have to keep moving. How do you know if you're a consumer? Good question. Consumers want and expect to be served. Consumers think everyone owes them something. Consumers are thinking, how can I benefit from others? Consumers are all about their personal preferences. Hmm. Consumers want position and title in the church without serving. Consumers <laughs> complain about everything in the church. Consumers always blame others for their problems. I didn't mean to get on your front porch. Consumers are never grateful. You know, those last three are the three ways to have the worst life possible. Yeah, that complain about everything, blame others, and never be grateful. And, and, and some of you are living right there. Some of you are living right there. You can't say a positive thing about someone. You come to church and it was too loud and it was too hot and it was too cold. And the lights, man, they changed them. Now they're weird and now the smoke, where's that coming from? Is someone chiefing out in the back? We don't know. Do we have smoking here? Is this one of those churches, the first church of the cannabis? You know, what's going on? We don't know. And we don't know about the pastor. He wears these weird skinny jeans and these long shirts and his hair is crazy. And we don't know where this style's coming from. <laughs> It'll get to Kokomo in about five years. Chill out. <laughs> and, you know, why'd we get black chairs? That's a symbol of death. You know, why can't we have orange chairs? No, we had orange pews in here. We'll never have orange chairs. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, what was wrong with the other pews? Well, well, we need chairs because we can fit more people and it's more comfortable. Are you comfortable in your chair? Yeah, we're about to install air conditioning. Don't worry. We got you. Huh? Huh? And, and so when you have this consumer mentality, you see, see you're, you're either building up the church or you're tearing it down. What are you doing? What are you doing? I didn't mean to just be real with you today, but we're already there. You see, you're either a builder or a resistor. Oh, this is good. This is coming out from 10 years ago. I remember when someone told me that. You're either a builder or a resistor. What are you doing? You see, the walls have been broken down. And the Bible says that Nehemiah went to the people and he said, listen, I need you to get your weapon in one hand and I need you to work in the other. You know, you know that's what it, it means to serve in the church? Weapon in one hand. You ain't going to talk about my church. You ain't going to talk about my pastor. I'll stab you. Yeah, yeah. Ain't going to talk about my church. You ain't going to talk about my people like that. Someone said the other day, well, man, you guys, you know, you're getting a lot of different races at your church. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that's what heaven's like. Well, you know, how, how do you, you know, how did you reach that many people at Easter? And, you know, this following Sunday, you, you only had a few less than what you had at Easter. That's uncommon. That's the lowest Sunday of the year. We had over 500 people here last Sunday. We had over 600 at Easter. They say expect half of what comes to Easter to show up the next week. Huh? And there's people out there. There's people, they, they hit us up on Facebook and try to put, com we delete them right away, but some of you, you, you see them. One guy said, well, you're not, you guys aren't, you guys are just all about a show. Really? 500 and some people saved and last, we're all about a show? Huh? Weapon in one hand, work in the other. Weapon in one hand. We're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Yep, yep, the enemy's going to come and we're going to stab him. Boom! The two-edged sword of the spirit. Come on. Two-edged sword of the spirit, baby, the word of God. 
Listen, listen, whenever you do something great for God, you will always have resistance. You will always have resistance. You will always have haters. Haters going to hate. And the bigger we get and the more people we get saved, we're going to have more haters. They're going to talk about us. If they ain't talking about us, then we ain't doing nothing, baby. Go ahead and talk. Because you only put shade on what shines, baby. And so we shining bright. And so they try to put shade on what shines. <laughs> I'm having fun today. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. One minute, 40 seconds. How do you know you're a spiritual contributor? Well, they know that God has called them to serve his church. How do you know? They know that God has rescued them, and now they want to help others get rescued. I heard, heard this from a pastor. The, the radically rescued rescue radically. They know that someone paid a price for them to receive this hope found in Jesus, and now they're giving back. They know that they have a gift. They have a talent to give, and they will not waste it by not utilizing it to benefit God's House. You know the best way to influence others is to live to serve others. That's what it is. Jesus talks about it all throughout the Bible. He talks about three things that all of us have. Hit your name and say, you got it. You got it. Three things we all have in here. Number one is time. Someone say time. We all have time. We all can give an encouraging word to somebody. We all can take a moment at our job during our break and share our story with somebody. You know that you can't argue with somebody's story? See, you can't argue with my story, how Christ found me and set me free. You can't argue. We can argue Bible. We can argue doctrine. We can argue the Trinity. We can argue a whole lot of things in the Bible, but you can't argue with your story. And so you ha- God has given you time. Get, let's be we-focused instead of me-focused. Make time for God's house. You see, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Until church is a priority, it will always be an option. And so, so in our house, it, it's a priority. It's always been a priority. I know many of you, it's a priority. It's, why? Because it's something that strengthens our home. It's something that encourages our marriage. It's something that we love. We love to serve God's house and God's people. Huh? Make time for your kids and your students to be involved in the kids' ministry, the student ministry here. You know, you make time for everything else. You sign them up for every other sport. You take them across country and spend hundreds and thousands of dollars. You buy stinking outfits and shoes that cost crazy money. But then when we have a youth camp and we say it's 85 bucks, you're like, ah, it's too much. Really? For three days for your kids to get impacted by the presence of God? Oh, I can't wait to preach to those kids at camp. Wes can't wait to preach to those kids at camp. Oh, we're going to have a Holy Ghost time at camp. They're going to leave rocked and changed by the Spirit of God. Make time. Make time to invest. Be a spiritual contributor. Number two, we all have talent. Someone say talent. You've been given a talent. I know the devil's told you 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 don't have anything to offer, but you do. God has called you to this church. If he's planted you here, he's given you a gift and a talent to utilize it for the benefit of others. For the benefit of others. What is the Holy Spirit telling you today? How can you make this church better? Yeah, there's something in you that we need. Yeah. You say, man, it looks like everything's going real good. Well, it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? 
It is, but it isn't. Because we need more people serving in order to launch the third experience. So why, why do we want to launch the third experience? Because we're out of room? Because there's more lost kids that need to know about their father calling them home? That, that's why. That's why. But you know what the only thing stopping us? I'm going to be very transparent with you. It's not money. You know what it is? People serving. Because here's the reality. We pull all our numbers. You guys know that. Numbers are important to us. Numbers are important to God. He actually wrote a whole book on it. Thank you, Elder Tim. He wrote the book of numbers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Blasphemy. I'm having too much fun. I only get to preach once today. Come on, man. We're having fun. I know we're going over time, but we're having fun. Uh, uh, numbers. He, he, he tracks every number. Do you know that 30% of now, the 500 and some people that call this home, 30% of that 500 are doing all the giving and all the serving. 30%, which in the church world is actually a little up. It's usually between 15 and 20, somewhere around there. So we're a little higher. But just imagine if you sitting out there, you listening to this, would say, you know what? That, that shouldn't be 30%. I can give one Sunday a month. I can give one service. I'll commit to that third service, and that'll be the time I serve. I'll attend the first, or I'll attend the second, then I'll serve in the third. Huh? I, I can do one. Everybody can do one. Some of you are doing two right now, right? And you're, you're, you're the MVPs, right? Some of you are like, we doing three? I'm here three. <laughs> God bless you. But, but just think, if we all said, I, I can step up. Just think if we all said, you know, you know how we are about giving here. I'll never ask anybody to give a dime here. I'll never do it. I'll just ask you to listen to God. God speaks to us through his word. He'll speak to you. What he speaks to you to give, you, you give. He, he's our source. He's my source. He's this church's source. But what, what, if, what, if, what if you found God's word? Because he speaks through his word, and you've seen, man, I, I, I want to I be a tithe. I want to give to this field of vision. And what if you just said, man, I'm, I'm going to be consistent with it? Just think what would happen. Just think what would happen. We're looking at property right next door. We're meeting with a realtor this week. We're looking at property. We're looking at the second campus, okay? Our, our vision is big. It's big. Our faith is out there. Why? Because our God is big. Well, how are we going to do it? I don't know, but my God is big. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. You see, it's funny. It's funny. I'm at a place now where I don't even know how he's done what he's done in the last 18 months. So why am I going to start trying to figure it out now? <laughs> I don't need to figure it out. He God, he bad all by himself. He don't need me to worry. He don't need you to worry either about your finances, about your problems. He got, he got it. He got this. But what would happen if that 30% went to 40? And what if the 40 went to 50? Well, it kind of looked like the book of Acts, where the Bible says they were all serving and all giving, and they were one body, and that 3,000 people were saved on the first day of the church of Acts. The first day, 3,000 people. Why? They were in unity. God is never looking for equal giving. He is always looking for equal sacrifice. Equal sacrifice. Will, will you step up and give of your talent? Will you step up and give of your treasure? Will you be a contributor to God's house? Will you be a spiritual contributor? Because that's what we're called to do. 
That, that's, that's the mandate upon this church is to contribute to our community. And it's the mandate to reach that single mom who feels hopeless and wants to give up because she's raising two or three kids. It's, it's the mandate to minister that broken marriage where affairs have been in operation and there's been infidelity and all kinds of stuff. It's the mandate to reach that teenager who is far from God. It's the mandate to meet that meet and encounter that person who's been addicted for 5, 10, 20 years. It's the mandate of this church to help that hopeless father who feels like he's insignificant, who feels like he's not doing a good job fathering his children, who feels like he's a bad representation of what a husband should be. That's the mandate. So I ask you today, are you a spiritual contributor or are you a spiritual consumer? Because where we're going, I believe God is speaking to each and every one of us. You say, man, I just got here last week, or you know, I just came for the first time. Or maybe you've been here for months, years. Maybe you're like, man, I just don't feel like there's a spot for me. Yes, there is. There is a spot for you in God's house. Every person is important. I thank God that somebody cleaned this facility. Thank God that the outside was taken care of. I thank God that somebody practiced and made sure all the media was right so I could come up here and preach today. I thank God that there was stuff behind the scenes that happened all week. I thank God there were people praying in, in this auditorium, praying over the seats. Every week it happens. People interceding for your friends and your lost loved ones. I thank God that people prepare the atmosphere, that people serve God's house selflessly selflessly. You say, man, that sounds good, but I'm pretty busy in my life. Friend, we're all busy. We're all busy. We're all busy. Will you quit using that as an excuse? We're all busy. You make time for what you value. You make time for what has your heart. You make time for what you treasure. Why don't you see God's house as a treasure? Why don't you see the lost kids, the prodigals, some that you know, some that you've been inviting, some that have just started coming. Why don't you see that as a treasure? See, some churches see it as trash. I see it as a treasure. Someone came up to me and said, man, we got a whole lot of people at our church who are addicted, and they're coming in here smelling like this and that. I said, what a great thing, isn't it? Because I see treasure. You see trash, I see treasure. I remember when I was addicted. I see treasure. What the world has taken out to the curb and said, no good, disqualified. Can't come to God's house until you get it together. Taking the trash to the curb. This church says we see treasure. We will do a DIY. We'll do it ourselves, and we'll see God move and take what the world says is trash and turn it into treasure. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. 
And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.